With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean. I'm joined by Johnston, as always, for another big fight reaction show to Arta Paterbiev stopping Callum Smith in seven rounds this past weekend in Canada. It went as expected, and I am looking forward to having this conversation around a prediction that we pretty much nailed bang on the head, and also about what happens next for Arta Paterbiev and what happens next for Callum Smith. Lots of conversations being had in the aftermath of this particular fight. Johnston, it's one that we nailed pretty much bang on the head with the prediction. We both felt like Arta Baturbiev was going to systematically break down Callum Smith's defences and be able to ultimately stop him later on in the fight. And that's exactly what he did here. And he did it in a pretty good fashion. And he just shown us yet again why he is a feared fighter. And he also shown us again why people look at Callum Smith and maybe make assumptions about what his best win is and his resume. And we mentioned it a lot in the preview for the fight last week about we felt like maybe George Groves was his best win. Maybe Rocky Fielding was his best win. So really, what did he have going into this fight other than wins against people who were either past the best or just not good enough. And you look at the John Ryder fights, and I think the writing felt like it was on the wall a little bit for for Callum Smith here. And I know one of our listeners, Wes, who listens to us quite a lot, you kind of felt quite puzzled by our conversations last week around his mentality, Callum Smith, and, and, and the way he was going into this fight. But I feel like we've, for a change, we've kind of been proven right by what's happened here. So, Johnston, I'm going to let you come in now and just 
really give your thoughts and feelings on the aftermath of Baturbiev stopping Smith in seven. Uh, it's exactly as we thought it was. Exactly, you said, Sean. Um, it's it's look. It was it was right. Was on the wall. I know we was a little probably a little bit harsh, maybe on Callum. I feel that um, sort of listening back to it myself, I thought maybe we we, we give him little to no chance at all. And look, it's the way it planned out. Um, sometimes it's nice, you know, you make these predictions sometimes and they pay off and you think you know everything and then um, sometimes they don't. Unfortunately for us, it has. For Callum, um, look, it, it was always going to go that way. There was nothing that he had done previously um, that made me feel or believe that he would be able to deter Baturviev. Um, and that's pretty much how it went. Uh, there were moments within the fight where you thought maybe Callum was going to start to relax and get into a, a flow, but then Berbatov would just offset that with his power, basically. And and he's a great boxer as well, Arta Paterbiev. He looked terrific throughout the whole fight and always looked dangerous. And it was inevitable, I feel, that in the end, he was going to get that knockout victory. And, and I'm sort of pleased he went over six rounds. I thought it might be again a little bit longer than it did, but um, look, it's a fair reflection of the fight. Arta Paterbiev is a, is a beast in this division. He is a beast in this division and there was a lot of talk prior to the fight happening around the fact that he had come back with an atypical finding in a VADA test that happened in December. Now, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of this, guys. I'm no scientist. I know everybody on Boxing Twitter and everybody on Facebook thinks that the scientists, once that this sort of conversation comes out, the indications in simple terms was that they believed he had a little bit more than normal levels of testosterone and that people are now conspiring to believe that he might have been taking human growth hormones and all this other stuff. I think the fact of the matter is he is just a guy that has always lived very cleanly and kept himself in great shape. And as a result of that, people are finding reasons to pick holes in him because of his age and they're expecting him to slow down. And we did say we were expecting him at some point to slow down, but He's not like he's he's roadrunner, is he in there? You know, he takes his time and methodically breaks he breaks the fighters down, doesn't he, Johnson? It's not like he's he's, no. he's he's trying to keep up with a really fast fighter. He's just breaking them down. He's looking for the options. He's looking for, you know, the advantages that he can see where he can take a fighter apart. And that's all he's doing against fighters. The equalizer he's got is he's got that much power in both of his hands that as soon as he hits a fighter, he's hurting them. And as a result of hurting them, that fighter then goes into their shell and tries to find a way of fighting in a different way. And for someone like Callum Smith, who had the same issues against Canelo, he offered little to no resistance in the fight. And I felt like it just played out exactly as we thought it was going to play out. And I feel for Smith because, you know, he seems quite dejected in his post-fight interview that he feels like, well, I wanted to see if I could become a two-weight world champion and clearly I'm, I'm not good enough and it was hard for him to stomach that he isn't the best in the light heavyweight division. But to be honest, I'd never thought he was. I thought he'd have a good chance moving up because he was huge at super middleweight and he's pretty huge at light heavyweight, but it's quite evident that, you know, Baturbiev and Bivol are the two guys in this division and it looks like finally that this fight is signed, sealed, and now we just need confirmation that it's going to be delivered in around the March period. I think that's the what's been said so far. I haven't got a definitive on that, guys. I'm pretty sure you've probably seen the same things I have around it being signed for March. But 
for us now as fans, we move past this fight and we hopefully get to see the fight that we want to see next, which is Baturbiev versus Bivol for all the marbles to be undisputed like heavyweight champion of the world. And I had this conversation with another fellow boxing fan a couple of days ago after the fight and my conversation was around what would Bivol do in a fight against Baturbiev. And I'll be honest with you, even now I struggle to see how Bivol would keep Baturbiev off him for 12 rounds. So it's going to be a really interesting fight when that does happen. Early picks for that, Johnston. Bivol versus Baturbiev, the fight of the light heavyweight division. Who do you think would essentially win that fight based on what you've seen off both of these fighters in the past couple of years? Oh, well, that is a fight that we've been waiting a long time for. I can't believe uh, that it looks like it's finally going to happen. Um, I mean, look, if there's anyone in this division that's going to do anything to someone like a Baturviev, I believe it is Bivol. Uh, I know what you mean. It's difficult to see whether he's able to stand up to that onslaught that he's able to bring. But if there's anyone that's going to take him into the latter stages of a fight and make him look every ounce of his age... I feel that it could be Bivol. I think he could make him miss and he could make him pay. And if he's making him miss and he takes him further into the fight, then he's more than capable of winning it. I, I, I really do feel Bivol has the ability to do that. Even though he's a bit smaller than Callum. It's just he's just generally a better boxer. He, he moves well and he's confident. And I know we spoke a lot about the mentality of Callum. Probably written him off because of that. And I'm not saying he's men mentally weak. My aim was that he just wasn't mentally right to take on a guy like Baturviev, like he was against Can uh, Canelo. For Callum, I just feel like it was, he just, he just, it's like a, it's as far as he knows he can go and he can't go no farther, further. But when you look at Bivol, Bivol has that mentality. He knows how to beat fighters. Um, and so, yeah, that's why it makes it such an interesting, fascinating duel. And I do believe they are the two best in the division. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see that fight. I really do hope it really does finally develop. It's been a fight we've been waiting for for a good couple of years. And um, yeah, we can finally see who the best is out of them because they are the two best by, well, head and shoulders above everybody else, in my honest opinion. They're absolutely the best. Head and shoulders above everybody else in that division. And I think an early sort of, thought for me would be the questions that we want to see answered is how is Bivol going to keep Baturbiev off him for 12 rounds and is Baturbiev going to adapt to Bivol? Is Bivol going to be able to then adapt again if Baturbiev adapts to Bivol's style? There's so many, so many variables to this fight and that's what makes it exciting. It's a really good fight to talk about because you've got two guys there that uh, at stages of the careers where, you know, the magnitude of it becomes so much greater because of what they've done in their careers so far. And Baturbiev probably goes in the favourite because he holds three of the four belts. And, of course, his resume, you know, 20, 20 and 0 with 20 knockouts, it's, it's, it's kind of stupendous going into it. But then you've got Bivol, who has beat everybody around in the light heavyweight division, barring Baturbiev, and obviously even for... Canelo, who came up to light heavyweight to challenge Bivol, and he's even dealt with him pretty handily as well. And I think when Canelo comes in on fight night, he's probably like a light heavyweight anyway these days when he comes in on fight night. So it's like, you know, he's he's, he's kind of similar in stature to Baturbiev. So I think if he 
if you handled Canelo the way you handled him, that's like what you're saying is he's, he's the type of guy that could potentially handle Paterbiev and make him look 38, 39-year-old Paterbiev rather than you know him being accused of taking HGH and, and all other sorts of conspiracies that are going around at the moment with different people within the sport. But I want to shift the focus and the attention just for a moment just to talk about Callum now because... You know, the conversation is around what Callum does next. And I had a thought about this in the past 24 hours. It's like people are saying he's probably going to retire. He's 33. What what else is he going to do? He's become world champion at super middleweight. He's failed in an attempt at light heavyweight. But what else could he do? Well, I think he's at a stage of his career where he could still be involved in in big-time fights with, with big opponents. And I think we've got some big opponents on our shows that he could be involved in big fights with. People might look at a fight with Anthony Yard as a as a step down or maybe the winner of Aziz versus Buatsi. I think that could be a, a really interesting fight for Callum at this stage of his career. They certainly would sell in terms of fights. I think I'd like to see the Yard versus Smith fight. I think that would be a really interesting fight to see given that Anthony Yard, I felt, did better in his fight against Viterbiev than what Smith did. So, you know, that'd be an interesting fight to see. And obviously, they're both at a stage of their careers where I think they need these fights now. I think if they're not going to be able to succeed in becoming champions in the light heavyweight division, then they've got to look around and see what is the most marketable fight for them. And the one that springs out to me is, of course, Anthony Yard versus Callum Smith. Is that the one for you, or are there any other fights that Callum Smith could have at world level? Maybe a Gilberto Ramirez fight, or maybe Smith versus Smith versus Joe Smith Jr. You know, is there any marketable fights out there for Callum at this stage of his career? Well, no, the fact is that Batavia and Bivol are going to be fighting at some point this year. And it looks like before the summer, um, which is terrific because you know you're going to have all the belts on the line. Someone will become undisputed, and I guarantee you that one of those titles will become fragmented because, the, you know, the person who holds all four of the titles is not going to be able to fight all the fighters that all all four organisations wanted to fight. So one of them eventually takes them off um, and they look at it and and the marketable fights out there, you know, as you said, you've got Boazzi and Aziz. It's a fight that apparently the winner of that is potentially going to be fighting Yard and then they look to take on a world title shot. But they are the four, Sean, for me. I think when you look at it, yeah, you've got Joe Smith Jr., and you've got Gilberto Ramirez. I think there are two other guys in this division that are good names. You know, but I I feel to stick around... I mean, Callum surely should be looking here thinking, look, look Baturvia is 38, 39. He's got a couple of years left in him, if that. Yeah, and you're going to have tiles that are going to become available at some point, whether it be next year or even at some point this year. There's a possibility that he can get an elimination fight for a, a title if he fights out in the yard. Or if he fought, or if he does go on to fight the winner of Aziz and Buatsi. And I think there's nothing wrong with those four guys fighting each other to see who the best is at the minute. Because, you know, I mean, you had Lyndon Arthur who beat Yard and Yard obviously got his revenge for that. But you got them four guys there that we don't really know who the best is. Everyone everyone has got a shout for one or the other. I mean, I would say Yard is probably just a bit above him because he did he had a better performance against Paterbiev. I think he learned against the Kovlev fight and the and the uh, Lyndon Arthur defeat. So for me, I think Yard has learned enough for him to be the position of the best in this division in on our shores. Then I would say it's a throw-up between Callum Smith, Aziz and Buatzi. 
because I suppose Smith would probably be the first because he's been a world champion, but in a lower weight class, whereas the other two haven't really progressed their careers and fought anyone of any real substance other than them, each other, each other who they're fighting now. Um, but for me, I think them four should be fighting each other. I think titles will become fragmented and the winner of that gets an opportunity to fight for a world title. If not, a world title could become available for a fight between one of them, them, them four. And I think that'd be great to see. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's going to be huge money that could be made. There's huge followings for Riva. Makes sense, mate, doesn't it? Surely. Absolutely makes sense. I would love to see that. I mean, Lyndon Arthur, you know, he put on a valiant... Dis- yeah. Well, he put on a valiant display, didn't he, against Bivol? Okay, he was outclassed he and, and outgunned, but he still sits within that remit of arguing to be in with a shout of fighting one of those guys or putting himself available to fight one of those guys. And I think they've got a you know, a, a collection of fighters on our shores now that can, like you say, quite easily be within one fight away from fighting for a world title again. And, you know, if the Bivol and Baturbiev fight get signed and it is just one fight, there isn't any major rematch clauses in it, or even if there is, are all four sanctioning bodies going to sanction that fight to happen again as a rematch with all titles on the line? Probably not. Like you just said there, you agree, probably not. So as a result of that, one of the titles may become fragmented and pulled away from from that fight and if it is then that does give an opportunity for guys like Callum Smith like Anthony Yard Buatse Aziz even Lyndon Arthur to to come along and argue their Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess Aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Possible involvement in a world title fight. So... Yeah, there is there is potential for Callum Smith to move back a step, to maybe move forward a step to become yeah. a world champion again in this division. I suppose it depends on what hunger and what desire he has left. He wanted to challenge himself against the very best, and he has done that, and he has come up short. So is it a case of, because I am not the best in this division, and I now know that, do I just retire as I am, or do I say, do you know what, I'll take a step back, and look at the potential of other big fights domestically that could lead to a future world title shot. It, it just depends on him. It depends on his team around him. It depends on the advice he's being given. I think he is good enough to become a world champion again 
if Baturbi Evan Bivol wasn't around, I'd probably be saying, you know, Callum Smith's arguably one of the best out there that could be world champion. The same with Anthony Yard. I think Anthony Yard, he's for two of the best fighters that the light heavyweight division has produced over the past 15, 20 years. And he's come up short against them both, but he certainly learned a lot that I think is going to provide him with the mental fortitude to move forward in his career where we could actually see a really, really good fight uh, for a world title against the likes of a Boazzi Aziz or a Callum Smith. So I'm quite excited about what that holds for us as as British fans and, and those guys that are in and around that area of becoming contenders for a world title again. So no, I don't think he should retire at this stage. People are calling for him to retire, but I don't think he should. I still think there is life left within him to be able to possibly, possibly, possibly be a world champion once again, dis- depending upon what happens, obviously, between Bivol and Peturbiev, and if the belts do get fragmented, which is what we're kind of assuming will happen should that fight take place and should we get a crowned undisputed champion. It doesn't really seem to be a trend of a fighter being able to defend their undisputed crown without having to vacate the title or one title at least immediately is this so for me it makes sense for, for Callum to stick around for at least another another 18 months two years because he's still young enough in the grand scheme of things to do that and he's also got the ability he's good enough to and when you look at it there's there's no reason why he couldn't beat those guys and I and I sort of understand you know you've gone to the top and you know it's not worked out for you and you haven't really even looked like it's going to go your way at least Yard had something about him in his fight it was a great fight one of our best fights of the year. Unfortunately, he was unable to to do what Yard did. So that's why inevitably everyone's going to say, well, Yard's got more of a chance than Callum. But that being said, I feel that Callum's mindset, and I, do, I did keep pointing out to the mentality of it because I don't think he was mentally strong enough to be able to go in there and beat a Paterviev. And it was the same with Canelo. And it was the same pretty much performance. It was exactly the same, really. There wasn't much difference to the performance he put in because... He generally, I don't believe, thought he was going to win the fight before he even stepped in the ring. In fact, he was beaten before he stepped in the ring. Whereas if he does fight someone like a Yard or Aziz, or even if it's like a Lyndon Arthur to see if to, for, as a return fight or a Craig Richards or something like that, he will go into that fight with a firm belief that he's going to win it. And I think when he's in that frame of mind, he's a very good fighter. He's one of the best we have. I genuinely believe that. When he's a confident fighter, he's terrific. Um... So that's what I want to see. And I want to see Callum do that. I really do. I was rooting for him on Saturday, early hours of the morning. I wanted him to win. He, he didn't happen. But Terviev was, as we thought, was just going to be too strong. But I think it's, it's an opportunity there. I, I, you know, if, he, if he's going to take a leaf out of anyone's book, just take a leaf out of his own brothers. Liam Smith, look what he's done. You know, he, he also had so many times where we've said, you know what, we've written him off and gone, you know what, this is the end for him. And he's come back and had big performances. Yes, obviously, not so great recently with the Eubank rematch take a leaf out of your brother's book use a pinch of bit of his mentality and hopefully that will help him going forward because I don't want to see Callum retire not on that note I'd rather him come back and have a go domestically and then hopefully get another chance at a world title in a fight where I think he might actually favour him have a chance of winning so that's the talk of Baturbia versus Bivol and talk of what Callum Smith is potentially going to do next and what we think he really should do next I'm going to completely pivot now from this part of our reaction show and turn my attention to today's press conference for Joshua versus Nganu 
I feel like it is a good time with it being on the same day we record the reaction show to to have a conversation about that press conference. Not so much that it was a spicy press conference. It was more so the content of the press conference, which I feel is is really, really good news for the sport and really something we should be having a conversation on in this show. And one of the biggest things to come out of that press conference was the announcement of Joseph Parker taking on Zile Zhang on the undercard of Francis Ngannou and Anthony Joshua. I think Joseph Parker, after that Deontay Wilder win, has certainly earned his right to fight someone like Zhang, who both of these fighters have been in no man's land because of where the heavyweight landscape is. And a couple of weeks back, we was having a conversation about what Joseph Parker could potentially do next. And now he's been signed to fight Zhang and he's got a mountain ahead of him to take on, but he's shown us that he can do it. He beat Deontay Wilder, the huge puncher of the division. He now goes in against another huge puncher in Zile Zhang, and you'd start to think maybe there's a chance here that he could actually beat Zhang with him being a, a slower, more methodical fighter, and maybe there's a chance actually he could he could come out of this fight and come out of this year as being one of the, uh, the best fighters of the last 12 months when seemingly, and not a lot of us, including myself, felt like he was going to be a world champion again, if I'm being totally honest with you. Know, but if he gets past Zhang on this undercard, he's really making a big, big statement that he certainly puts himself in line to become a world champion again. And certainly, there's got to be an argument for, for him taking that Joshua rematch later on in the year. I know the conversation's turning towards Joshua trying to face the winner of Fury versus Usyk, but... You know, Joe Parker, he's like the dark horse now in the division, having had that win over Wilder and having taken this fight with Zhang. I think it's uh, it's certainly raised some eyebrows at today's press conference. What do you think about that, Johnston? Parker versus Zhang and the fact that he's just taking on anybody. Nobody can actually turn around ever now to Joseph Parker and say, you shirked any opposition because he literally will take anyone on, won't he? He will. Uh, we've always said that about Parker. He, he generally will fight anybody. And on his night, he's more than capable of beating anybody. I mean, the one thing we did say with the Parker-Wilder fight was that we felt that Wilder would be losing every single round, but eventually he would land something. Um, and that was gen- that's always generally been Deontay Wilder. I mean, look, for you to be getting, or him to be getting outboxed by someone like Gerald Washington, it, it tells you everything. And that was a few years ago. You know what I mean? Gerald Washington is not a great boxer, and he outboxed. Wilder until Wilder landed sight on him. That is inevitably what how Wilder's gone through his career. Eventually, you're not going to land that shot, and you know, right, ring rust comes into play, and uh, and Parker done it. Um, that question, I wouldn't necessarily say so much about Zile Zhang. The one thing I will say though is it's funny how Joshua could beat Otto Volin. All right, good performance. He's going to fight Francis Ngalo, his second professional fight, and that winner of Francis Ngalo, what fights the winner of. Furiousik, I think there's a claim for me, considering that Parker's beat Wilder, and if he goes and beats Zile Zhang, I think he should jump above Joshua, and therefore be given the opportunity to fight for the undisputed title, if obviously it's not fragmented, uh, after Usyk Fury. I would say his two performances, if he beats Zhang, his two performances are better than what Joshua's going to potentially win if he beats Ngannou. So, I mean, look, you're right. Joseph Parker, and maybe Joseph Parker and Andy Lee is just the perfect concoction and them two are going to be the guys to to throw the cat amongst the pigeons and go on and win a world title again. There's no reason why he can't. But what he did do was he made uh, Deontay Wilder look bang average. Um, and uh, do you know what? 
Uh, it was it's inevitable. It was going to happen at some point. I was just surprised it'd be Joseph Parker. But credit to the guy. Wants to fight everybody. Don't shirk. Don't ain't scared of anybody. Um, love that. You know, I think everyone needs to take a a little leaf out of his book as well. Absolutely. Another fight that's been announced for the undercard of Joshua versus Ngannou is Ray Vargas versus Nick Ball for the WBC title in the featherweight division. I am looking forward. This is what we spoke about when we saw Nick Ball in his last outing. We said he deserves his opportunity. He was ranked very highly, of course, with the WBC, and they've managed to make this fight happen on this undercard. This is going to be a very interesting fight. Will Ray Vargas be able to keep Nick Ball away? That's the question. Will he be able to outbox him? Because he's got the ability to completely outbox Nick Ball. But what we've seen from Nick's Ball is that he goes in there and he systematically breaks his opponents down. He got a great win against Isaac Dogbay at the end of last year as we know and we covered and I'm excited at the prospects of seeing him have a shot at the WBC title and again I think a little bias for myself comes into this because I've watched Nick from day one on the small hall circuit watching him fight in front of a couple of hundred people at Bowler's Exhibition Centre in Manchester to see him now on a big card fighting for a world title you know it's it feels like a little bit of a journey for myself as well in some respects having been there and seen his career and and I've done interviews with him. I've had conversations with him. You know, it's, it's great to sort of watch that journey of a fighter and actually be a very, very small part of it in some way. And and I'm really excited to see him get this opportunity. But it's a great fight. Stylistically, it's a, it's a really good fight. It's, it's one of them fights, like I just said, that it's going to be either the aggressive fighter who can get on the inside can cause damage to a fighter like Vargas, can go on and potentially stop him and beat him. Or we could have the opposite where... Ray Vargas just shows his his brilliant best and he comes back and he beats Nick Ball and then we all we see at this point in time is Nick Ball, you know, he was good but he just wasn't good enough. So it's it's it's, it's really it's really exciting to see that they've actually announced this for the card as well. I'm I'm quite excited about it. And based on what we've seen of both of these fighters, Johnston, again, early conversations around this fight, how do you see this one playing out? I'm one with you. I mean, look, uh, I mean, you introduced me to Nick Ball. Um, you did, or you did say to me, you know, you need to just keep an eye out for this kid because, uh, you know, he's got a bright future. And and boy, you was right. Um, honestly, uh, just for, from uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, really. Uh, I can't think what fight it was there, but uh, for me, it was just I just loved his style, his aggressive style. It was like a little terror in there, relentless. And then since then, he's just been a joy to watch and he's going to continue to be really um Vargas obviously a very nice boxer at times I know he's lost to Oshik Foster which was his his last fight but it's his first defeat of his career but as you say it really is a, a style uh two completely different styles contrasting styles and, and inevitably most of the time the two contrasting styles creates a good fight a negative and a positive and and I think that's what you're going to see. Um, Nick has got a great opportunity, you know, and I, and I feel that if anyone's going to going to beat him, it will be him. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he, Vargas has got the ability to really box at range and make Nick miss and, and literally make him pay and tire him out and take him into the later stages and then have the ability to just outbox him all the way through. I think Nick's a bit better than just a guy that, like a little terror, as I said. He, there's more to him than that. He does uh, think about his shots a little bit more and um, he's improved. I mean, he's so young as well, 26 years of age, um, and he's done more than enough to, to 
to warrant his chance to win the Patil, to fight for a world title. And you know what? Um, I think he, if if there's anything, if there's anyone that not only deserves it, but has got the belief, I think it's Nick Ball. Uh, he generally, I feel, believes he this is his chance, his opportunity, and he can do it. I, I feel that he can. So, you know, early picks, it's a tight one. I could see Vargas outboxing him at times, but I think Nick just gets there and troubles Vargas, hurts him, um, and put him down and could potentially go on to stop him. But look, I'll have a, I'll have to have a look a little bit deeper into it. Maybe I'm putting me uh, my Nick Ball favouritism glasses on at the minute. I'm not sure. But look, I, I generally like the fight though. It's, it's a great fight to add on the undercard. And again, you know, looks like this card is going to be another good one, isn't it? Um, it seems to be going on in Saudi, doesn't it, Sean? And they seem to be doing the business and producing some cards with some debt to them. Absolutely. I know that they've also talked about the Tyson Fury and Usyk undercard and some some great fights been announced for that, but I didn't really want to use the last few minutes of this show to talk about that. I will save that for another day. The The big yeah. notable thing that came out of today's press conference was, of course, the announcement of the fights that we've talked about, but also the fact that Turkey Al Sheikh has basically turned around to Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren at the table and said, look, I want you to take five of your fighters from Matchroom and put them against five of Frank's fighters from Queensbury uh, in a show this year. And I was like, wow, like this is exactly what we want to see out of the sport. Both of them said, yeah, we'll do it. We shook hands at the table and said, yeah. Is the landscape really changing? Are we really going to get Matchroom versus money, Queensbury? Money, 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 money. That's, that's, <laughs> trust me, that's all it comes down to. That's all it ever comes down to is promoters. You're offering to dish out the money that they're offering which is always well over. I mean, we've seen it with the football in Saudi Arabia in a minute where they're willing to pay wages for players that are over the hill, right? Some players, not so much, pretty much at their peak, but, you know, over the hill to be getting paid a ridiculous amount of money a week. Footballers are doing it. It's it's a great opportunity. I ain't knocking the promoters and the fighters. The money's there. They're offering it. And it's always been the, what, it's been the case, isn't it? Fights will happen if the money's there. And the Saudis and Turk want to pay the money. They want to give the money. And then, and they're, they're delivering the entertainment. They're putting eyes in their country to watch these fights. So it's not, it's not ideal because I would like to these fights to be over here. But they're not going to be. But if they're going to see some big fights, at least if we're going to watch them, we're going to watch them on the telly and they're going to be the biggest fights, then great. Let them do it. And I hope yeah, they're shaking hands. I mean, it's, it just puts them to shame, really, Sean, doesn't it? It really does. It just shows you they're greedy bastards, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it shows you that. We know this could have been done years before, but it's taken someone to come along with a bucket load of cash and say, you know what, we're going to pay you all this money if you used to put these these brilliant fights on for for us. And, yeah, I, I agree with you and what you're saying. I, I mean, totally, totally agree with you and what you're saying. However, the other side of the coin is we are looking like we're going to get the fights we want to see. And as fans... First and foremost, that is what's quite important to us. We've always wanted to see half of these fights. And if potentially we can see them happening, 100%, that's that's fantastic. And funnily enough, if you want a Queensbury versus Matchroom fight, look no further than Anthony Yard versus Callum Smith, which we've spoken about already yeah. on this show. So, you know, there's a potential right there for something like that. I'm sure if this does develop and it develops into something more significant, there's definitely going to be an episode where we can sit down and maybe we could theorise about the five fighters from Queensbury versus the five fighters from Matchroom that we really want to see. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty sure it's already being done. I'm pretty sure there's people on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram that are already doing it and posting it out there. 
as we speak, but I'd like to sit down and do it more formally at some point if it does become a complete development and it does, you know, we see this happen. We see this happen. I, I'd love to see it happen. It excites me the thought of it happening. So it's been, it's been a, it's been a pretty good day in terms of announcements today as well. So I'm really, really sort of pleased. And just when you think boxing is falling apart, you know, you get something like this, you get an announcement, you get big fights, you get the potential of promoters working together and producing really, really big fights. It pulls you back in again. And this is what we uh, are in the sport. This is why we love it. This is why we enjoy it. So let's hope when the Boxing Wishlist episode comes out in the next week or so, we can have more of a conversation, myself and Jamie, who joins us on the show, to actually talk about what we really want to see this year and how many of them fights could actually become a reality this year. This year could be the year where all the fights that we've always talked about that have been on that wish list year after year after year actually start to really come to fruition this year more so than they've ever done. There's a huge potential that that could actually happen as long as that Saudi money stays pumping into the veins of Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren, of course. Uh, if, that gets, if that gets taken away, I think we'll be back to square one uh, as usual and um, be talking about what we want to see and realising that it might not actually happen. But... I think this actually could be the year we see some of these absolute mega, mega fights indeed. So that is it, guys, for this episode. A little bit of housekeeping before we finish the show. There's two more weeks left to vote for us on the Sports Podcast Group Awards. Please head over to Sports Podcast Group and vote for either BTR Boxing Podcast or The Darker Side of Boxing. If you've got two email addresses, sign up with both and you can put a vote on for each of them. It would be really, really appreciated if you could go on and take a couple of moments just to put that vote in there for us. Also, the Legendary Knights episode for this week has now been released. It is the tale of Sugar Ray Robinson versus Carmen Basilio. If you haven't heard any of the previous three episodes, they're also available on the Legendary Knights podcast feed. Or if you're subscribing via the BTR Boxing podcast feed, they do get released on there also every single week we do have the after show with Luke as well so please do tune in and listen to those episodes as they get released on a weekly basis finally just thanks have to go out to the patrons of the podcast thank you so much to you guys for continuing to support us throughout the last few years all those that have come in and been members for the last couple of years a big huge thank you to you but all those that have recently joined us Really, 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 really appreciate you and thank you so much for supporting us as always. If you haven't already subscribed to us on social media, you can do so at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or even TikTok. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel if you do wish to consume the content that way. We are also on TikTok. We do some posts, some videos, some on this day videos that are going out there, some some great quotations with some great photos of fighters. It's just various various different bits of content that I've put out there on a daily basis for you guys to consume alongside audiograms of our podcast and of course all our episodes that are going up on a weekly basis but that is it for this episode we will be back later in the week with a preview for this weekend's fights and thank you so much again for listening to us on the BTR Boxing Podcast Network
Social Podcast Network.